likes the game for the Hawks. Bruce from directly in front. Luke Bruce was never going to miss. Time ticks. Hawks look home. Whittle, here it comes. He knows it's in. He's been waiting for that. They strike back again, the Hawks. How's this for a bit of twilight entertainment? Hey, Wingard swooping like he's back in all Australian form. It's Lewis's turn. This is an inspired outfit. Sam Mitchell is putting together a wonderful football player. Welcome back to the Hawthorne Fancast, our first episode of 2024, and we're here to talk all things preseason as our excitement ramps up for the 2024 season. As always, I'm joined by James, and how good is it to be back? Oh, it's great to be back. So much excitement heading into season 2024. So many new recruits. The forward line is going to be something really exciting. Um, obviously, dowered by a few injuries from the intra-club on uh, last week, uh, but so excited and just keen to get to round one. Yeah, that's right. Our uh, preseason started off very, you know, I would say most Hawks fans would be most excited for this season than most seasons of recent, but it's been a little bit dampened by the preseason in our recent injury list. Should we get right into it? Yeah, we'll get into it. We had an intra-club uh, on, I think it was last Thursday, and Hawthorne actually won that, uh, surprisingly. Oh, lovely. Um, but, I mean, there were a lot of losses on the day as well. I think we woke up to news that Maury had glandular fever. We already knew that Day was out mm-hmm. for round one. And then as soon as CJ tweaked his hammy, uh, James Blank was down with a knee injury. And, and I think that was the one that got to most Hawthorne supporters the most, is he's a really important cog to the back line. So we, we look at names like CJ Moore and Day going like, wow, they're big outs. But I think there's no bigger than James Blank. No, that's correct. I know we spoke a little bit off pod about how important uh, Blank was structurally to the team and given his position isn't as well covered. Uh, the other losses don't seem quite as bad, but Blank's a huge one and you've got to feel for the bloke. Oh, no, absolutely. And I think family day and photo day and all that were the days ahead. So to turn up uh, the next few days and do a lot of the family and the fun club stuff after just... Uh, Doing your ACL uh, would be really hard. Yeah, and all reports coming out of Hawthorne was that he was having a pretty solid preseason and he was really, really willing to sort of uh, get going this year because he's had a pretty good career to, to date, but I don't think he's played any more than really like 30 games, has he? So, you know, he was starting to come into, come into his own and now we're going to have to rely on Frosty. Oh, and, and a new bloke in Ethan Phillips. But before we get to him, like, yeah, I think James Blank was ahead of Frosty this preseason. I think Sam Mitchell's really made a statement at training that those two are competing with mm, each other. And, yeah. and Blanky, obviously, only 24 games into his AFL career. Um, like, he, he had the number one spot. So, it's up to Frost to fill his shoes. And then, obviously, it opens up for more opportunity and Ethan Phillips gets signed through the SSP, which closes today. It'll be announced as probably we're recording now. Yeah, that's right. So, that's great to have him on board, being a pretty solid VFL performer. Um it feels like the issue with Blank going down is our defence is probably our weakest line in terms of depth at the moment. It looks like we also got B-Mac or Bailey McDonald injured as well. Seamus Mitchell's also yep. injured. And obviously with Blake Hardwick going forward, which we will touch on a little bit later, our defence does look like it's going to have to be, have a bit of rejigging. Yeah, and it's, it's such a young defence as well. And we see guys like DGB and Sarong that are also pushing for a tall spot. Nah, they're only... Uh, handful of games into their AFL career as well. So in terms of depth, especially in the tall department, uh, after Frost, it really drops away dramatically. We had Blank, Frost, and Blank was also a young one. And now Ethan Phillips has the chance with two hitouts against the Bulldogs to really show uh, what he's made of. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about that backline cover. So I've got a few names listed here to really sort of replace that blank role. I've got Frost, Sarong, Denver, Granger Barras, uh, Ethan Phillips coming in. And there's also question marks of whether Scrimshaw Weddle can play that tall defender role. What are your thoughts so far? Well, I think we play a team defense. So I think Scrimshaw has been trained as that centre-half back. And with Blank taking the big gorilla, um, it really frees up guys like Sisley and Weddle to also chop out Scrimmers man and stuff like that and go for the intercepts. Um, I'm not sure that will work the same now that Blank's out and Frost is taking a gorilla or Phillips is taking yeah. a gorilla. Okay. Uh, we might even need to see Phillips and Frost actually playing the same side and that might free up all those interceptors. Uh, but they do call Ethan Phillips the intercept king. He averaged 11 intercepts in the VFLs, five of them that. Yep. five of them being marks. Now, the AFL average, or not even the AFL average, the most in the AFL last year, I think might have been Darcy Moore, 
uh, averaging 3.8 a game. So Phillips wow. is averaging 5 uh, in the VFL and 11 intercepts a game. So that doesn't include marks, such as intercept possessions and right. stuff like that. So he has really good hands. And I think that's something Hawthorne has been missing for years since we had our... Uh, Brian Lakes and James Frawley's that could really actually take a contested mark and mm, save you yep. down back. I think more recently with your Hardigans and your Frosts and your Blanks and probably people in recent years, they're more of your spoil types. Yeah, right. They're, they're prone to the odd drop deep in the 50. I would say on the half-back line, we've had pretty consistent markers. I mean, Jarman Ippi's pretty good overhead. Jack Scrimshaw, James Sicily, they're all yep. good overhead. Um, but in terms of deeper defenders, those full forwards, I, I agree. Ethan Phillips is going to be a nice acquisition, at least for depth purposes. I tended to agree with more what you said on the second line. I understand team defense is everything these days. But in terms of balance, I'm not sure if Scrimshaw, for me, will be the answer to play on a tall key yeah. forward. I don't think he's got really that one-on-one defensive craft. He's more Sicily. of that floaty role. Sicily is an interesting one because it changes his role drastically now because you think he was going to be the third tall intercepty where he plays his best sort of Absolutely. role. Now I'm leaning more towards Jai Sarong being given a good crack at it. I liked what I saw from the highlights. I didn't watch the whole preseason um, intra-club yeah. match. Uh, but I, I'm looking at Jai Sarong as one that might be able to take this opportunity in his stride. Denver Granger Brass is another one that you feel like this is a bit of a do-or-die season for him in terms of his career at Hawthorne. Um, and then obviously you've got Phillips coming in, but I'm not sure Phillips is going to get the gig straight away. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how we line up in our upcoming preseason matches against the Dogs. I think Phillips is a great replacement for Blank. The only question mark I've got, and I think the thing that we love about James Blank's game is how quick he is and his closing speed. Now, the only reason yeah. Phillips has taken so long to get drafts is there Slow, are knocks yeah. on, his, uh, on his speed and there are knocks on his disposal a little bit as well. Although I have been told he has improved that dramatically, uh, so it might not be as much of an issue. Uh, but in terms of um, one-on-one, uh, he's very good. He's a good interceptor. Um, I just don't know. I, I've been told he's a bit like a younger Kyle Hardigan where he doesn't have the speed, but he's also very serviceable. We got the Hardigan that was a delisted Hardigan. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. But he plays kind of a similar way, probably with safer hands. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see how we go in that in that department. I think for me, he's going to be similar to Frosty then, where I'm hoping that they, they just play the lockdown role to try and kill those high balls that come in the 50, you know, towards their dangerous key forwards and then hand it off to a small or a good disposal user because our back line's full of good users. Scrimshaw's a good kick. Amon's Amon, gone back there. Amon's yeah. back there. That's right. Uh, CJ's out of there and he's not the best disposal. Um, obviously, Harwick's out of there as well, which, which we will have to touch on pretty significantly. Uh, but we've got an overall pretty good use defense. Like, Sicily yeah. can kick. Everyone can pretty much kick. Weddle's a bit of a question mark on his disposal. But overall, everyone you trust with that with ball in hand, maybe not as much Frost and Ethan Phillips. Well, that's yet to be seen. Yeah, well, I think there was an article came out on Frost uh, late last week saying that he's been instructed not to take the kicks and he's aware that there's so many good users in the back. So it is a real focus of him just taking his man and shutting his man out the game. So Frost can just focus on that. I think he'll be a really good player this year just because he's actually really good defensively and he has shown that at times that Frost can actually be really reliable. Oh, 100%. I, I really rate Frost defensively. Yeah, he's just with ball in hand. It's just a different kettle of fish, isn't it? Yeah, he's got uh, he's got pace. He's got, he's got defensive craft. It's just going to be about playing to his strengths and not, you know... Uh, marking the ball and trying to, you know, kick a Hail Mary goal down the other end of the field, you know, doing cross country. Because he, he does get a bit excited, Frosty Boy, and yeah. he sort of leaves a hole in defense when he's running out of there trying to just aimlessly run past people, which he is a quick player. He can definitely break some lines, Absolutely. but just knowing your role, I think, is important in this team. Absolutely. And I hope just this injury to blank doesn't change too many roles, as we mentioned with Sicily. I think fantasy coaches all around Australia were yeah. going, oh, no, like, Sicily's going to be playing a lockdown role. He's not going to get too many points for us this year. I don't think they will have to worry too much. I think we will cover no, that's right. um, yeah. Sicily's role so he can play that free. I think I think role. Sam Mitchell and the whole coaching staff know how important Sicily is as that quarterback-type role. They're not going to make him, I don't think, play on a key forward, at least we're really struggling and he needs, he needs to give him a chop out, which is kind of what he alluded to in his interview the other day after the uh, intra-club game. I, I'm really guessing they're going to try someone else out in that blank role alongside Frost, whether it's Phillips, whether it's Sarong, whether it's DGB. you know some other tools like Scrimshaw or DGB chopping him out. I'm guessing that they're going to go for that just to make sure that Sicily can uh, still play his role. Speaking of injuries, though, we've also got CJ injured. Yeah. So this opens up a wing spot for someone, it looks like. Who are your replacements for the wing? Well, it's funny because watching the intra-club uh, highlights, there were two people that really impressed. Uh, one being Harry Morrison, which we always know what we're going to get from Harry. Mm, he's, yeah. he's so serviceable. Yeah. He's 
the definition of good quality depth. Yeah. So he comes in, you know he's going to play the role. You know his disposal's good. He knows where he knows how to get into good positions. So I think Harry Morrison's almost a no-brainer for a wing spot. The other one is uh, the new guy, Massimo D'Ambrosio. Massimo D'Ambrosio. Who might just be the best kick at the club. Yeah. So that's really important if we can get him uh, on a wing. He's apparently impressed all preseason. Uh, so I reckon it's definitely those two guys. Um, and then who knows if we push Weddle up there as well. Yeah, there's a few uh, contenders for this wing spot, I think. I mean, you named the main two that I thought of as well. I thought that Morrison looked fantastic in pretty much all the match simulation highlights and also our intra-club match. I mean, Morrison's trusty, old, reliable. You know, he can yeah. do his job. He's not ultra flashy, but I thought he had he was very serviceable when he came in last year. It just depends if he can hold down this list spot when the likes of CJ comes back in eight weeks and things like that. So I'm actually keeping a close eye on Morrison this year. Dan Brosio, I've been very impressed by this preseason. I don't think a lot of people would have had him in the starting 22. I had the him start. thereabouts, maybe like okay, a sub. Yeah. As a sub, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So I think he gets a really good crack. So these injuries do open up a lot of opportunities for the other players that would probably be on the fringe. Um, Ward's another one, I think, that could play wing. I'm not really sure. We're going to speak a bit about the midfield cover soon. But Ward, for me, I'm I'm really intrigued to see where he takes his career because he's in his coming into his third season now. He's had a bit of an in- injury-interrupted career. He's another one. And also C-Mac. Yeah where we don't know where he's going to play, it feels like. I, I feel like it could be his usual high half-forward role. He could replace Day in the middle. He could go in the well, he's wing. He's probably going to be replacing Maury if Maury misses. If, who knows if Maury's yeah, going to be Yeah, but we've got a lot of smalls, as you mentioned before, or, you know, new look forward line, and Hardwick's gone there as well. So Hardwick seemed to play that Dylan Moore role yeah. quite well in the intra-club. He looked probably, okay, most dangerous forward, realistically. So, uh, yeah, so there's some wing cover there. While we're talking about midfielders, let's go on to the midfield cover. So, obviously, we've got Will Day injured, our reigning Peter Crimmins medalist. That sucks. But the good thing about our midfielders, it seems to be our most depthful area now, which you wouldn't have thought, you yeah. know, two years ago when, you know, Jago was running around in a half-assed form and Tom Mitchell was Dan suffering Howe a little bit. Dan Liam Shields oh, roaming in there. We had James almost, Cousins. <laughs> yeah, James, Jimmy Cousins. Yeah. So, um, yeah, who replaces Day, do you think, in that midfield spot? Because it looks like your yeah, Nash, Warples, and Newcombs are locked in. Oh, absolutely. No, who replaces that Day role? I think the most impressive for me is definitely Henry Hosswaite. We saw him in mm. the injury club. Uh, I think he got that many clearances. He was playing for the, not the possibles, more the probables. Mm. Um, and he was dominating for them. So, yeah. I think that's a spot for him. He, he ended the season in the side in our best 22, and I think he starts season in best 22. Wow. Um, if not just outside it, depending where we favour a Cam McKenzie or even Josh Ward, who, who seems like he might struggle for spots just in terms of the players that we need a, to need to fill. Uh, yeah. But Husway, based on pre-season form, uh, obviously we haven't played any games yet, but based on training and, and the intra-club, uh, he'd be putting his hand up a lot for, for that Will Day spot I think he's almost the most like Will Day as well he's, he's more composed in the middle he has a nice side step and, 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 and a nice half step um, so I think he'll be the one to watch yeah that's interesting uh, I've got four names sort of listed here to replace that Will Day role whether they choose to just go with rotating mids you know those high half forward sort of roles like C-Mac coming in Ward coming in for a bit McKenzie Husway whoever it is or they just choose to go like for like as you mentioned just maybe chucking Husway in there I am leaning more towards the likes of either Cam McKenzie or Henry Houseway. Yeah. But after seeing Connor McDonald's uh, intra-club highlights, <laughs> I would not be surprised if they go for maximum efficiency there. The only issue with uh, Connor McDonald is because he's so good at the forward role as well. Do you want to take him out of there? When well, we've got the Cam- depth to do it. Yeah. We've got the opportunity to throw him around. I think, and this is the only thing that might get in the way of Henry Houseway is I think we might favour versatility. So yeah, you pick okay, the right. guy. You pick the guy that can play inside mid and intend a few center bounces, then the guy that can only do that. Because then C Mac can also roam forward. There's so many positions he can play. He can play wing, half forward, even deeper in the forward. Uh, like we saw him take some contested grabs, almost a specky down there. So he can do it all. So I think C Mac is the one versatile player uh, that we can chuck wherever, and it means that we don't have to load up on mids. Yeah, I think if you're going for a win-loss record, I think you'd probably pick C-Mac out of any of those players. Yeah. The issue I have with that, though, is I feel like this is a great opportunity to, to blood develop. either Cam McKenzie or Henry Husway, give him more game time in the midfield. Because yeah. when Day comes back, as we saw last year, those players could not get in the midfield to save their lives. Like, Dylan Moore was playing midfield the season before. He couldn't get in the midfield because that midfield was so strong. And that's fantastic. It's a problem you want to have. But this is an opportunity. I don't feel like we've seen 
near enough of Cam McKenzie. And from all reports, he also had a really good intra-club match as well. So I want to see Cam McKenzie or Henry Huswade in round one, personally, with C-Matt chopping them out if they're struggling a little bit. I wish we had this sort of depth for key defenders, not midfielders. We want to see them all play. Um, They're all talents. And yeah, guys like McKenzie and Ward, just to play that inside mid, it's just so hard to just fit them in. And I feel like Ward's probably another one that does play that wing role that can also go in the center bounces. And he has the body for it. Uh, He definitely has a skill set for it. Um, And he probably hasn't been given enough opportunity in the past to play that either. Who would be your choice, though, uh, out of Ward, Huss, Waite, and I'll say, because C-Mac's going to be in the team no matter what, yeah. and McKenzie, who would you pick? McKenzie, Huss, Waite, Ward. It'd be Ward or Huss, Waite, and I'm probably leaning towards Huss, Waite. Okay, so McKenzie for you is still not ready? I just prefer, no, it's not that. I just prefer Ward and Huss, Waite, especially Huss, Waite. I think Huss, Waite is the most like-for-like for Will Day in terms of the you way think, they You uh, think, I mean, maybe my head, uh, Conor McDonald, sorry, um, uh, Will Day is more of an outside Like, he can get it on the inside, but he can burst out of stoppages. Huswell, I see, is a very primarily, like, inside mid, shovel the ball out sort of it's player. It's more so how they are in traffic and okay. how composed they are. And I also know Huswell's very good one-on-one, can also take marks. He's a strong contested mark for his size. He's actually yeah. a taller mid. He's, he's about 190 centimetres, Henry Huswell. Yeah. So, he's a taller sort of mid. Yeah, uh, yeah he's... um. He's the most likely for mine. The great thing is, I don't think it really matters what even we say or what the coaches say at the moment. I think these two preseason games is going to, is going to be huge for one of these players to press their case because that um, position absolutely. is up for grabs and I love the competitiveness for it. So I, for me, I'm not even going to pick someone yet. I'm just going to say whoever plays best in the preseason matches deserves a spot. I'll tell you this, Matt. I think we have one of the greatest depth in the competition. I just think we lack depth in certain areas which will affect us. And, and right, okay. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I don't think we have good defensive depth, for example, but midfield and forward, I would say, I would argue you're right. Um, even with Max Ramsey coming in as a pretty good ruck, I think you're right. I think we do. We are well set up. It's just whether these top-tier players can become A-plus grade players. I could only name probably maybe three in the whole team who I really rate in that A-plus tier, which would be yeah. like Sicily, Bruce, Newcomb, maybe. Yeah. Maybe Will Day, you could... You could Make an argument for Mitchell as well. Lewis. Mitchell Lewis, yeah, is, is getting there, but he needs to obviously have a full season to really yeah. prove that he can kick consistent goals across the whole season. Um, but yeah, bold calls for the season. Well, we need bold calls. We need to talk about our forward line. Oh yes, of course. Go on. God, it's probably the most exciting thing going into season twenty twenty four, and it, it's oh, 100, so one hundred percent so new. Look, we've we've gone through past with with guys like Ollie Hanrahan, for example. <laughs> Those those sort of guys. Tim O'Brien. Literally, those sort of guys roaming in our forward line. Ryan Shawmakers. Yeah, and even in recent times, Jacob Kaczynski. And guys that I probably wasn't too sold on. Did you hear about Kaczynski? David King went down to the Richmond, um, I think it was intra-club, and, yeah. and said he was dropping everything. So I, uh, Well, he kicked two goals yesterday in their okay. practice against Melbourne. Yep. Um, early goals, and then I think I heard after a quarter time he did nothing. In, in a 140-point scoreline. Yeah, two. I think that was seven quarters. I think, I he, only, I think he only played four of them. But, um, okay, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he was too flash, despite... Yeah. Just I'm not worried about two. losing him at all. I'm really happy with Choli, but uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll start with Choli out of all our forwards. Yeah, well, I mean, that was... He's probably the most interesting recruit we've got this year mm-hmm. based on the fact that he's already played for two clubs. Yeah. Um, and out of... He's played about, let's say, seven seasons and only one of them has actually been formidable uh, where he kicked about 44 goals. So, mm-hmm. very formidable. Um, yeah, he, he look, he's looking great this year. Oh, he's looking what? great this preseason. The one... And it's not a knock on him. The one thing I'm trying to just call it with is who he's playing on in preseason. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the matchups, like it's, a good point. it's a little bit easy for to look at our forwards and be like, wow, they're exciting. Oh, look at the goals they're kicking. Oh, look how many goals they're kicking at training. It's like they're playing on a defense that we don't have a lot of confidence. That's a good point. Going into the season with. Yeah. I, the other interesting on that note, though, is apparently in match sims and in general, the injury club, he outshone Mitch Lewis pretty significantly. In terms yeah. of goals he's been kicking, I've, every second highlight seems like he's taking a pack mark or kicking a set shot. So that's... Promising. I do agree with you, though. I don't know about the quality of opposition. For me, though, it's not really about how many goals Chol kicks this year. Like, I do think he'll be serviceable. I actually think he'll have a really good year for us. But personally, it's it's how many ground balls he can create because our small forward line is what I think we're really looking forward to this year. Well, that's been a knock on Chol in the past is the fact is he's just that he's lazy. 
Yeah. And that yeah. he doesn't chase and doesn't do the pressure stuff. All I've been seeing this preseason is he's doing it. Yeah, the smothers off the marks, the, the chase down tackles. He's looked pretty lively. Absolutely. And I like his ability. I think he does everything Mitch Lewis also does, but does it to mm. just as good of a stand, if not better. He has a really good left foot field kick. Yeah. He's really good at getting up the ground. He's a good vertical leap. He's jumping on blokes' heads in preseason. So, so yeah, oh. he takes the, the marks up the ground like Lewis does. He um He's a good field kick like Lewis is. Um, so it's almost like we've cloned the more athletic version of Mitch Lewis. So that's going to get you excited, isn't it? Yeah, I want to see that aggression because I know from all reports, Cholly's always been a, a rather calm, relaxed sort of fellow. I want to see that fire in his eyes as we're sort of trying to climb up the ladder right now. Uh, when the going gets tough, will he drop his head? Will he, yeah. will he capitulate? Because Mitch Lewis is a competitor through and through. So having a partner for Mitch Lewis and you've also got, you know, old mate Jack Gunston back as well. I was just about to say. There's yeah. some options there in terms of bringing the ball to ground, but we know Gunston does play more of that lead-up sort of role. I think Charlie's going to be the one that crashing a pack similar to Mitch Lewis. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how this impacts the rest of our forward line, not just Charlie himself. Well, I think um, Chol and Lewis being in the side just makes it so easy for Gunston. Mm. I think that the, obviously Gunston, and, and throughout his whole career, was kind of true that he never really got the best defender. And, and this proves the case that he's really not going to get the best defender this year. Uh, obviously, they're going to be playing on Lewis and Chol, and Gunson has that license to kind of roam where he wants, kind yeah. of create space where there's none um, and just run where there is. Uh, so I think Gunson will have a great year based on that. We've seen highlights that he's still got a bit of skill. It's still got a little bit of pace. A lot of people saying Definitely, that he's yeah. slowing down. I'm not... In that camp, I think no, that he can still have... I think he can still play almost every game this year. I think so, too. I think that uh, Gunson's being sort of ridden off by most journos and fans alike when he, when we went for him in the preseason. I was I was ecstatic when I heard he was coming back. I mean, it, not only for the you know honeymoon sort of feeling around it, but also I actually think he's got good footy left in him. I mean, Brisbane obviously was a new challenge and players never perform really well in their first yeah. time back to a new club. And the season before, he was very serviceable for Hawthorne. So I'm, I'm looking at him going... Is he going to dupe the rest of the competition right now? Is, is no one going to really look at him as a real threat? They're going to look at Chole and Mitch Lewis and even our you know, new small forward line and Luke Bruce, and then they're going to leave sort of Gunston to his own devices. And Gunston's got that ability to swing as well when we talk about team defense. So yeah. I think he was a great pickup for experience. And look, if his form drops, he'll put his hand up probably again and he won't play the next week. So Gunston back for me is a tick. It's experience. It's he's, he's you know, a player of his caliber. He's got the skills. It's yeah. just going to be about can he maintain injury-free to keep himself on the park. I don't buy in the whole Gunston slowing down thing. I think I agree with your point that when you move clubs, your first season at a new club is always hard. I think it's almost impossible to play with Joe Danaher. Demands every ball as well. I think it was really hard for Gunston to play in a forward line that he's probably just not used to. I think Gunston and Bruce work really well together. Um, and obviously, it is a new look Hawthorne forward line, but one that I feel like Gunston can really thrive in and speaking of new forward lines mm. how exciting are the smalls oh, so we recruit so. watson and Ginny to to go alongside moore and bruce and c mac and then you throw in hardwick from back from the back line and this is a crazy forward line it is and uh you know if uh you know we've been following football since we were born virtually and small forwards have always been our sort of favorite little players the elusive small forwards and we've got them in abundance this year yeah you know we loved cyril growing up we loved bruce growing up we and still he's still do. here but we've got a, a bunch of new ones to mention i mean let's let's first of all go with our uh our sort of i guess big name recruit in terms of you know polarization which is uh jack Ginevan from the pies He's coming in to piss off every other fan and make us a more hated club than we are already. What are your thoughts on Ginevan coming to the Hawks? Do you know what my favourite thing about Guinea coming to the Hawks is the fact that he's just rocked up and he's immediately become a leader. He's walked mm. in as a premiership player. Yep. He's taken the whiz under his wing. Yeah, he's taken Watto under it, hasn't he? Um, and he's really teaching him the ways. And, and Guinea has so much skill. And like... Yeah. Obviously, he lacks a little bit a bit of athleticism and all those attributes, but he makes up for that in, in skill and footy IQ. Similar with Bruce D.A. Yeah. Like, natural attributes maybe not as high, but we need forwards with goal sense, and he's got goal sense in abundance. And I think for me, the favourite part of having getting into the club, probably along with, with the Wizard, which we'll get onto in a second is they're going to put bums on seats. We're going to get the fans back to the crowds. We're going to... Uh, sorry, we're going to get the fans back to the stadium. And... 
I'm just looking forward to hopefully seeing us, um, you know, pull bigger crowds in, make it more of an atmosphere than it ha- what it has been in previous years because our players we've brought in are exciting. Yeah, it's the most exciting forward line going into a season I can remember since it was Buddy and Rough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, throw you a question I didn't mention before the pod, but I want to hear your sort of thoughts. Uh, what are your projections for Gunston in terms of goal-wise going into the season? We're going to go over every forward. I think... Um Anything over twenty five is a is a pass. He kicked I think okay. twenty two at Brisbane. I th- would like to think that he's going to have a better season with us. So above twenty five goals with the forward line that we've got. So I don't think Gunston's a year is going to be based on goals. Yeah, I, I agree. He's such a team player. He sets yeah. them up he'll, as he'll well. Swing, no doubt. Um, he plays a nice decoy role, and he might also chop up uh, chop out down back as well. Yeah. Okay, so let's go on the whiz first, and then I'm going to ask you after that, so I want you to really think about it deeply. In order, who's going to kick the most to least goals out of our small fours, which will be Luke Bruce, Jack Inovan, Nick Watson, and Blake Hardwick. But I want to, I want to hear your thoughts on the whiz first, because for me, he's my most exciting player going into the year. Well, we talked about Jack Inovan not having too many attributes and making it up on, on, on skill. Watson has both. Mm. Now... Yeah. The, the sidesteps, the deceleration that he has, the acceleration that he has, um, the agility. So we, we've seen that all highlights in, in, in what the social media team posted. And yeah. I'm like, wow, this guy has a skill set that I actually haven't seen anyone really have in the AFL before. So yeah. there's no player that I can think of currently playing the game that has the skill set that Watto does or is even like, what we're going to get with Nick Watson. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, for me, I think Watson is, you know, there was a lot of knocks on us picking a guy that short. But for me, all I could ever think about is how much of a unique benefit it's going to be. Because yeah, how many high free kicks he's going to get. High free, how many, like, even if you look at that intra-club highlights, that one where he ducked under, I don't know who tried to tackle him, but he literally just went underneath the tackle. He's going to be so elusive, hard to, hard to grab. And as you're right, rightfully say, also hard not to give a free kick away when you are tackling him. He's elusive. He's quick. He's evasive. He has, what from what I've seen, pretty good overhead for a guy that's like you know I don't know how tall he is to be honest with you, um, but he's got he's got it all. Like we, this- we, we don't pick it. You don't go pick five small forward unless they've got everything. And for me, he's going to be. I'm just calling it now. He's going to be a legend of the club. I reckon. Is this the gear free kick Hawthorne comes back? It could be what with Ginevan and Watto just like angling oh, behind. We're going to rile up some opposition fans this year. Just the shithousery that Ginny and Watto are going to do. And more doesn't mind a bit of a, a shirt high for a kick either. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he loves them. So, um, yeah, no, Watto, the whiz, or who, whatever name you have for him, he's going to be a polarizing figure this year. I think he, you know, in pretty much everyone's predictions, he'll be playing round one alongside Ginevan, it looks like. But there's another small forward we haven't really seen before and that is uh well we have in just little spurts but blake hardwick our best lock small defender has ventured to the other end of the ground what are your thoughts on this one oh it's kind of a bit robbing peter to pay paul but i yeah. think it will pay some nice dividends obviously he's the best in the company's position so we rock up to pre-season, pre-season training we go wait what's this why are we taking our best small defender out and chucking him in the forward line and apparently it's hardwick that just wants to go down to the forward line. Been bugging Sam Mitchell for years to mm. go down forward and Sam Mitchell's just granted a nice wish for him. Uh, I really like the move though. I think that he has a unique skill set, a little bit like what we saw with Mark Williams back in the day that he's small, but he plays kind of tall and he's strong. So he plays well one-on-one. But I think with Hardwick, we won't see... As per Williams, we saw him play that full forward role as a small. Yeah. I think Hardwick will be a little bit higher and go up the ground and almost be setting up for the forwards. And I think we forget that Hardwick is one of the most elite kicks in the side. He's always yeah. kicking at about 90% efficiency. So he, great kick, um, good footy smarts um, that I think it's something unique and it just makes our forward line a lot more unpredictable than it already is. Yeah, and from all the vision I've seen so far, you're pretty much right. He's going to be the main distributor of that sort of high half forward line. He plays as Kind of slightly like Dylan Moore does, it seems like. Um, and then you got C-Mac up there too. So if you've got C-Mac, Moore and Hardwick on that high half forward, it doesn't matter if you've got a CJ or Weddle on a wing because yep. those guys are probably going to the half forwards. They're, that's they're, that's they're, right. They're not the ones that are going to blast it, or hope not, the ones that are going to blast it inside 50. It's going to be a Maury. It's going to be a C-Mac or it's going to be a Hardwick. Yeah, and he's a good kick and he's a good mark. And from all the, all the pre-season visions 
preseason vision that I've watched, he seems to be really consistently performing that. The one thing I love about this move is he has to play consistently well almost to hold his position down. So he's yeah. got a lot of pressure on him because he knows that as soon as his form dips a little bit or it's not working, <laughs> they'll send him back, back to where yeah. he's actually, he's, you know, usual elite position. So he's got to play pretty consistently, you'd feel. What a luxury that is, though. So you don't play well in your position, but you still keep your best 22 spot. <laughs> yeah, I think Blake Harwood's a lock for 22 oh, yeah. any any game of any season because at the moment he's got his locked in position but he's also shown versatility which is great for the side and overall i think we are hopefully going to get seamus mitchell back at you know sort of soonish point because i feel like we are maybe a little bit short in terms of like good small defenders i know amon's gone back there but he's more of a distributor uh jarman impy his form can be i would say shoddy at times but i think he's better also at that rebound role and scrimshaw's completely better at that more attacking rebound role Weddle's actually pretty good at both are we on the same page that if Seamus Mitchell and BMAC come back at the same time we're probably picking Seamus Mitchell yeah. not only yeah. due to a little bit more games experience but the ability to play a more lockdown role than maybe what BMAC is able to do considering yeah, BMAC's so. more of a distributor I think it's just positional needs I think BMAC's got weapons at his disposal that not a lot of our other players in our team actually have and from all reports he was having also a killer preseason until he got that uh was it bone stress or something like that um so yeah i think Seamus mitchell has to come back just for structural needs similar with the reason why frost or ethan phillips is coming in it's it's gonna be for structural needs probably not best 22 in terms of players but uh yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you did ask me to just quickly rank the oh, forwards yes. in terms of goals, yeah. small forwards in terms of goals. Yeah, yeah I want to do small forwards because I, I think, I mean, we won't know until we really start seeing preseason games and even into the actual season how we're going to try and score, whether it's going to be trying to hit the tools on the head to bring them down for the smalls or trying to actually just do lead marks sort of style. I actually think the smalls are going to kick more than the tools this year personally. Oh, yeah. Um, but so I'm asking you to rank, uh, well, yeah, well, the smalls from most to least goals. I think Bruce, number one. Yeah. He'll still have a great year. I think mm-hmm. that will really benefit Bruce having both Ginny and Watto in there. Okay. Uh, Wait, I, before you go on, does Bruce kick more goals than Mitch Lewis and Marbio Chol? <sighs> Is he our highest goal kicker yet again for another year? He'd be thereabouts. I'm not going to... You're going to rule it out, but you're not, not going to commit to it out. either? I'm not going to commit. Okay. Um, yeah, Bruce number one. Uh, Ginny number two. Mm. Hardwick number three. Watson number four. Maury five. C-Max six. Mm. Okay. Do you mind if I do my rankings now? Yeah, I'm sure it'd be somewhat similar. You might, I think different. you might go Watto over Guinea. I, I am actually. Okay. I, I think that Watto is going to be a a free kick merchant. <laughs> I yeah. know Guinea is, but Guinea's sort of I, been flagged by the umpires as someone that, m- to look out for. My Watson prediction is based on because he's a first year player. Yeah, he might go in and out the side at certain points to give. I agree. He'll get. He'll definitely get stuff you know, like that. Chop outs. Yeah, Guinea will should. Obviously, all of it is form dependent, but should play every yeah. game. Look, your 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 get your um prediction, I guess, is probably more the logical one for me. I'm I'm just want to go with a polarizing call because I feel this this uh the whiz has something different than what we've seen for so many years, really since maybe Cyril came in as a as a draft pick, most exciting draft pick. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna go with Waddy number two. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna wow. I'm gonna say that Nick Watson has a blinder this year. Like you know, you look at you know Harry Sheasel's first season. So that's a rising thing. star kind of year. Well. We're going to get into my bold calls in a second, but that that adult does allude to something for me. Um, yeah, I think Bruce is number one. I feel like he, even though our whole forward line's been re I feel like because it's such a strong forward line, Bruce is not going to get the best defender every week. So I reckon he's going to kick just as much goals as last season. I have a really good feeling. Bruce has not slowed down barely at all in his career. He's still kicking goals consistently. He was our highest goal kicker last year. So I'm going to go him number one. I'm going to go Watto number two. I just feel like he's going to be so energetic and electric and at the drop of every ball that Charlie or Mitch Lewis brings down or Jack Gunston. Um, then I'm going to go with uh, Jack Ginevan. But Blake Harbuck, I reckon, would be on his tail pretty yeah. quickly. Uh, and then, yeah, I think Moore, just because he's going to miss maybe the first little bit of the season and also because I think Moore's playing that more high half-forward role with Hardwick, they'll kick a little bit less goals. Well, and C-Mac, I don't know, because I feel like he might get some positional switches throughout the season. Yeah, that's my thoughts too on the last two. I do think, so, though, if you do ask Moore right now, he reckons he's playing round one. And I think he gets back into running later in the week as well. He did. Yeah. He was at family day the other day. He did look pretty sick and bloodshot and a few bags under his eyes. Um, so the best thing to do is hopefully not have him at the club too much and uh, yeah. rest up. But I think Maury might not miss as much as we might think. He He's actually a shot for round one. 
Yeah, and I, I hope he is because I feel like we didn't really touch on him much when we went for the injuries before, but I feel like he's one of our most important injuries, actually, or our most damaging ones. I know we have his position covered, but in terms of consistency of performance and what he brings to the team as the vice-captain and the Energizer Bunny nature yep. of him, he'll be missed if he, if, if he does miss the first few rounds. He's a good player, Dylan Moore. We love him to bits here at the, on the whole time podcast. Yep. So... Um, I'm hoping he does get back. It, obviously, it's going to do a bit to the forward line structure overall, but um, but Dylan Moore's an important player for this club. Let's get into some bold calls, some yep. of the fun stuff of the pod today. Uh, we'll start with you, Matt. What is your first bold call for season 2024? Yes, yeah, so I already alluded to it from what we just spoke about before, but I think that Watson to challenge highly for the rising star, yep. I mean, top two or three. And overshine Ginnivan's first season at Hawthorne. Wow, to overshine Ginnivan. Yeah. That's probably more of a bold call than top three uh, rising star. I think obviously being a high draft pick coming into a, a bottom side where he's going to play majority of games does give him a nice little platform to launch at the rising mm. star. Um, yep. It's still very bold. Um, no, and that's why it has like to it. be. Because I, I like look, I think Ginnivan will fit seamlessly into Hawthorne. He's a good player. But there's just something about the Watson, I feel, that... Uh, Opposition clubs aren't going to take it seriously, maybe originally, and then yeah. he's going to sort of catch them by storm. So I'm going to say that uh, Watson has slightly, maybe not overly, but a slightly better season than Ginnivan has. Wow, huge. I'm going with a bold call, and it might not come across that bold because we did achieve the feat last year, but we will again beat both grand finalists. I think the recent seasons of Hawthorne mm. have shown that we're kind of energy matches. We play really well yeah. against yeah. good teams. And we kind of stoop to middle of the roadside levels uh, to the bottom teams. Uh, obviously, we have our annual losses to Frio and Gold Coast, but then we beat Brisbane almost every year. And we always beat Collingwood. So I think those sort of teams will be thereabouts again and we match up really well on them. So I think we will again beat both grand finalists. In just, just a fun side question. Who do you think would be the grand finalists just off the top of your head right now? Oh, I'd beat any four of Collingwood, Brisbane again, and then I'm going to throw Carlton and GWS and maybe mm. Sydney, which those other three teams we probably don't match up on as well as what we do with Brisbane and Collingwood. Yep. But I just think that we play our best footy against the best sides. Okay, that's a fair call. Um, um, my next bold call is that um, Max Ramson to be pushing for the best 22 or almost be locked into the best 22 by season's end. Locked in's a good call. I think there's so many ahead, especially that we've just recruited Marby Old Joel, uh, yep. plays that exact same role. So I, I like the fact that we play a Reeves and Meek and one of them, and then we have a goal-kicking Ruckman, yep. which I think Chol will do the bulk of. But I have a feeling with Blank going down that Ramsden, if he really wants games due to his size, um, could we train him as a, as a defender? I'm not sure. I, I know what you're getting at because it makes a lot of sense, but... I feel like because he's had such a good run as a forward. Because, look, the ruck is still clearly out of his depth in, which yeah. is why I think, you know, he can't be locked in until season's end. I think he needs to keep putting on size and he needs to show he can push that forward position. But I reckon they're going to see at some point that the small forward line, as great as it is, you're going to have to get some height down there as well. Max Ramsden, if he comes in and kicks, like, what? He kicked three goals in the intra-club. I know it's only the intra-club, but he seemed to outshine on a lot of the other forwards when he was there. So Max Ramsden, I'm just going to make a bold call. I feel like he's been coming along nicely for a few years now. He's got to try and make that push in the next year or so. So I'm going to make a bold call and say Max Ramsden in round one calculations highly for next year. Oh, for next year. Yeah. Okay. So I think with um, Lewis and Chol, the minute one of them gets injured, and it's very possible, especially with Mitch Lewis, who hasn't played more than 15 games in the season, yeah. uh, Ramsden comes straight in. And I think a forward line of Ramsden and Chol would actually be really scary and really fun to watch. Yeah, and, and they're both pinch in the ruck with leaving one of Meek or Reese to be the main ruckman because I feel like they're both not you know, dominant Ruckman. My next one involves both of the guys that we hope don't get injured uh, this year, but Chol and Lewis will combine for 75 plus goals between them. Well, And if they do, you'd think we'd be pretty close to a final side because that's a lot of goals. Uh, so, so that could that be a bold call as well that we might be making finals this year. Yeah, I, I just chucked that in. I just feel like if they, if those two combine for 75 plus goals, that's let's say, one kicks 50, one kicks 25, that's 75, or they even it out a little bit more, um, that's a success. Yep. Uh, that's a lot of goals, considering that we also predict that there'll be a lot of goals coming from our smalls. Mm. So if the two talls can combine can combine for that much, then we're in for a really fun year. I love the optimism. I, I, I'm thinking the small forwards are going to fire a bit more, but um, but I like it. I you know that's a very plausible 
I reckon prediction, even though it's a bold one. We 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 forget that obviously the smalls crumb off the talls, but the smalls also deliver to the talls. That's true. They 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 will chip it to them as well. I feel like though our game styles are very counter-attacky, quick yeah. handball style. That the smalls can get out the back a lot. How as many well. times have we seen uh, Choli for Gold Coast? Kick goals in That's the goal true. square, he and Mitch play. Lewis run into the goal square and kick goals. And I think Chol, a lot of Chol's goals are always within thirty to twenty meters. He's not a guy that we see kicking fifty meter bombs, but he's, he can though. He he can. He's a very good kick from out that fifty range. So is Mitch Lewis actually on that oh, note. Absolutely, we know what Mitch can do. But I think Chol, a lot of his goals do come in close range. Yeah, he'll walk into goal sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, my next prediction is that Gunston recaptures his old form in his last season at Hawthorne. And leads Bruce to being a highest goal kicker this year. So you almost went two in one there. You said Bruce is going to be a highest yeah. goal kicker due to the fact that Gunston is going to come back I and play so. a really big role. Gunston and Bruce find each other like better than anyone I've ever yeah. seen, pretty much in the competition. They just they, they know how to pass each other. And I feel like not only is Bruce going to have not the best key def- the best small defender on him because of all our other complexities, but Gunston's going to feed him a lot of footy. I, I feel like Bruce has still got so much good footy in him. And I, I love making that as a bold call, not only because I'm personally, like Bruce is my favourite player in Hawthorne, but also because I I admire how his form has barely dropped with age. So oh, yeah. That's, I, that's I love their duo, and hopefully uh, the duo of Guinea and Watson can follow suit for years to come. Yeah. Uh, mine is that James Blank's injury will become the biggest blessing this year. Wow. I think this is the boldest call I think we've had. I yeah. think that finals <laughs> was always going to be a long shot and it still is somewhat a shot this year. But if we can put Ethan Phillips and Jai Sarong and DJB playing bulk games and getting them up to 24 games like Blank has, then we go into 2025 with a fit James Blank and another key defender uh, that has... 20-plus games. Okay. I'll agree with you on this point. I feel like it might have one of the best long-term benefits in terms of these players' development, but I feel like for this season, it's going to oh, hurt no, us quite a bit. It's going to hurt us a little bit. I think that is invaluable, though, to have a guy like Jai Sarong that would be playing most of the year at Box Hill or Ethan Phillips, who wouldn't even be on an AFL list, to come in and, and just use their tools against the best of the comp. Uh, you learn a lot at Box Hill, but you learn even more playing in the seniors, and I think it just opens up a position for us to... Just find an uncovered gem. What if Ethan Phillips is our answer? What if him and Blank are going to form the best duo for the next couple of years? Yeah. You're not going to know until you start playing them, and now we can play both. My uh, my next bold call is CJ to return around that sort of quarter into the season mark, and depending on his form, we'll either leave Hawthorne by the end of the year or stick around. Yeah, well, he's... Is that a contract? He's out of contract. We're looking to sign him, but it's all form related. He has a brother at Collingwood. Mm-hmm. Collingwood loves the flashy types. You can just imagine him next to Isaac Quainer yeah. uh, in the back line. Um, he, he'd he be worth a little bit. I, I know a that, lot of, That's what I, I think. I think a lot of clubs rate CJ more than maybe what we do. I, I think so too. I think, you know, at CJ's best, he could be an incredible player in the competition. But what we've seen is inconsistent ball use, Injury prone, and probably a bit at sea at times. Doesn't really yeah. know where he's going in terms of footy smarts. So yeah. I, I, this is a good question, and we had a similar uh, conversation about Warple when he was out of contract. Was do you cash in at one point and try to get something good for him, or do you persist and hope he becomes that player that we all know he could become? <laughs> I mean, I'm straight swapping him from Darcy Moore any day <laughs> in terms of what we need. Lockie well, um, Neal, come to the party, yeah, literally. <laughs> so I, I think um, if. We can cash in on CJ and get a player or it can get us a draft pick to get one of a player that we really need. Um, then I think we've got the cover for CJ. It says it would be the same go because he's so exciting and he does have... And he's re- loved really by the good, faithful. Oh, he's so loved and he has a really nice skill set and he's really fun to watch and we want to see him back on the park as soon as we can. As it's worth, though, I actually hope he doesn't leave Hawthorne because I yeah. feel like he perfectly fits Sam Mitchell's game style. Absolutely. It's more for me on the form he produces this year. I don't really care of my opinion now. It's more when he comes back from that injury, he's been to Doha, he's done everything he can to get his body right, and unluckily he injured his hammy in the in the intra-club. For me, it's going to be about can he show us that his pace, his attributes, which we don't have a lot of it, in terms of, you know, that uniqueness of CJ, can he be that lock on that wing? Because if he can't, then there's other players coming through right now. Well, form talks. And if we had this conversation about Warpool this time last year, we'd be having a similar conversation that yeah. 
like based on form and and then we got to mid to late last year and we're like we don't want Warple to go at all he's produced such a good season so if CJ can replicate what Warple did last year and really worked on a few of the flaws that he had um then we'd love to have CJ yeah and as and as it's shown time and time and time again in the AFL is that if a player's in that sort of mid-range level where they're not fully performing for your club but there's offers to get the to get good offers in your club you kind of sometimes it's better to take the offer to take the player switch to take the the draft pick or whatever it is right and offload that player so there's gonna be a big call of cj at the end of the year um do you have another bold call no i'm actually done with my bold calls i think we want to get into more of the fun stuff and i think we'll start with before we get into our pcm predictions yep. i think the most fun thing to talk about heading into a season is which player is going to break out love it breakouts so yeah. i think there's so many common ones amongst Hawth faithful this year we've got your c max and your husswaits and your, your weddles who yeah. was called by kane corns could be the best player in the competition in a couple of years oh, stop it kane let, uh, let the boy play please you see <laughs> kane just done a full 180 and kane loves, loves us. us i think he loves sam mitchell personally yeah. but uh and, and he loves it or he loves actually properly Rebuilt. He doesn't yeah. like that half rebuilt, which you know, in hindsight, obviously, he has said a lot of things about Hawthorne, but I, you know, you can't help but sometimes agree with him that that half-ass rebuild that Clarko did didn't really work out. And he was probably right that mm. we were relevant as well, and now we're becoming one of the more relevant teams in the comp just due to our rebuild. And I want to know who you think is going to take that next level. Yeah, so year. I'll go with the most boring ones first for me, and that's obviously Connor McDonald has been building nicely. Most boring, but most exciting at the same time. I think it'd be cruel for me not to include him as the, the number one sort of candidate here for a breakout season. He's been he's similar for me to how John Newcomb broke out. You saw it. You saw the attributes. You saw the you know a good game every sort of three games that was kind of like significantly good. He had two amazing games last year, C-Mac in particular. I think this is the year he cements his spot as a, a well-known player in the AFL, not someone who's getting left out of every best Hawthorne team that the journos don't even recognise. C-Mac is going to come on to fire this season, and I hope that becomes with more midfield minutes and more time in sort of other areas like the wing. It's funny how much he has flown under the radar in yeah. AFL media. The AFL loves these types of players, and you talk about the Rosies and Butters, mm. and C-Mac has that skill set. In spades, I know a few years ago, the AFL fawning over a guy like Archie Perkins that has yeah. a same sort of skill set to what Connor McDonald's does. And he's just gone off a cliff. Like, who the fuck is Archie Perkins? And now yeah. Connor McDonald is playing probably better footy than Archie Perkins has ever played and he's getting absolutely nothing. Yeah, I think the only thing that's hurt C-Mac so far in terms of being well-known is his consistency of performance. Yeah. You know, he can have amazing games and they can have games where you don't really notice him too much. But we know because we've watched all the Hawks games pretty much over the last, you know, well, our whole lives virtually, yeah. that when he gets the ball, magic happens. He's He rarely turns it over. He's got that X-factor classiness about him that maybe Josh Ward didn't have as much, which we are also keen on. But, you know, C-Max really got that pizzazz about him. When yeah. we picked him up, we knew almost straight away. So this is the uh, third year in the system. He's probably looking like one of our best performers, if not the best in the whole preseason. And that's even, you know, comparing him to someone like Nuke. I think C-Mac's prime for a breakout. But who's your next uh, breakout player? I'm going with Josh Ward. I think that... I love it. Those two, C-Mac and Wardy, obviously drafted in the in the same year. Yeah. Um, C-Mac's come on a lot quicker. Hasn't really been as interrupted with injury like Ward has. Yeah, but I that's think, fair. Um, I think this kind of game mark, when you're around the 50 game mark, you really start breaking out. It's about opportunity for Ward and where Sam Mitchell plays him, if he, if he does play him in the centre, uh, more so than on a wing or even half-back. We saw Wardy play towards the end of the year. Um, he's definitely got the skill set for it. He just needs confidence in himself, probably to take more than just the first option sometimes and just be a bit more daring with his disposals and the ball. And I think it can become really damaging. I mean, I like it, obviously, you know, I think out of us two, we can easily say that I've been more of a uh, optimistic about Ward than you have. So yeah. I'm very surprised by this. I actually don't have Ward here. I think that Ward may, might need another season because he's been so injury interrupted. I feel like we haven't really seen his weapons yet. So I'm not going to say that Ward's actually going to have too much of a breakout necessarily. I think he'll perform better. But in terms of breakouts, I've got some people ahead of him, to be honest with you. It might become a surprise to you. You've got Butler, Husswaite. I've got Husswaite ahead yep. of him. Weddle's obviously for me, I think, just a general lock. I think you could even, even call his first season a breakout. He was, you know... He, he, oh, he, you can't tell me that Weddle has broken out more than what c uh, has. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but he, you know... But I know what you're saying. In terms of one season in the system, uh, he played and he never stopped playing. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, Husswaite, I feel like, is the one that's really taken his chance in the AFL because he wasn't a high draft pick. 
He played two games, I think, at the end of last year. He two goals in that first game he played. And he hasn't really put a foot wrong really since. So, you know, the fact that we're talking about him round one calculations is a real credit to how much Huss weight has blown up recently. And even other, even journos are noticing him probably more than C-Mac to a degree. So, Well, I called it last year, maybe not on the podcast, but we did draft, obviously, uh, Mackenzie and Weddle and then Huss weight. And I said that I think Huss weight out of the three of them uh, might be the pick of the bunch. Maybe not mm. to, against Weddle. I think Weddle's going to be no, an absolute I think Weddle's star. got him covered, maybe. Um, but... but Husweight's kind of come out of the blue to a lot of people, but I've I kind of did expect this from Husweight. I think he's I like the fact when we draft footy players, footballers yeah. opposed to athletes, and I think he footy IQ is so underrated, and Husweight yeah. just has that in spades. I think where Husweight's got the advantage over, I would say Ward, Weddle, and C Mac is that Husweight's got his position, and that is midfield. C-Mac, Ward, and Weddle all play multi-positions. Yeah. So I feel like we might not see the best of them until they play in their preferred position. So C-Mac's been playing that high half forward role. Ward's been playing wing. Both of them would probably love to be playing middle. Weddle even, we don't know what he's capable of everywhere from the wing down forward to the midfield. And he's been stuck sort of in the back line because he's playing consistent enough. But we don't know if they, what ceiling these players have. Husswed, I feel like we might see it sooner because he's going to be playing in that one position he's played pretty much for his whole, all his junior years. Yeah. Yeah, I've, last one I've got is uh, Josh Weddle. We mm-hmm. just spoke about him. Yeah. Um, but just the athleticism this guy possesses is something that we haven't really seen before in the AFL. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Sam Butler? You mentioned him briefly. Um, I just don't know where he fits. Mm. So we have that many small forwards. Yeah. It was a- um, I know he's learning the C Mac Maury role. So unless C Mac does get a position change more higher up the ground and that could open a spot for Butler to come in. My favourite thing about Butler is his aggression. He's yeah, a bit he's, of an angry ant. No, he's a very angry ant. Um, and that works well with, when yeah. you've got Guinea and, and Watson and, and all those guys, Hardwick as well, that can show that kind of angry ant style of play. So I think um, Butsy, there's definitely a spot open if he... He might need a position switch know. for me. Yeah. I, I feel like now with our all our small forward options. I feel like Butler might need to look higher up the ground. That wing spot might yeah. be a might be a position he could play. I don't really know if he's got that well forward craft. From what I've seen, he's a bit slow kicking the ball. The he's got good aggression. He might slow. actually better on that sort of wing role, but um, I don't know. He, for, for me, he's one that there'll be big question marks in the year, similar with DGB and those sort of players. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we'll go into uh, Friday's game against the Dogs. We've got two pracky games, one unofficial pracky game. It's pretty much you just organise it between the two clubs. Bulldogs just approach us being like, oh, do you want to come to our neighbourhood? And we're like, yep, we'll come. And then a week later, we go down to Tassie and we play them again. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. But, so uh, you, you don't like playing the same team twice? I mean, I get you can adjust things maybe from game to game, but I would have rather seen us against different sorts of opposition. And I think, you know, playing against just one opposition is a bit... Limiting, maybe. So, obviously, we've got the typical we don't want to see injuries, but my favourite thing about yeah. playing the Dogs this preseason is how challenging that is for our defence with yeah, Norton, that's a good point. Hugo Hagen and Lobb. Like, it is the best-case scenario with, obviously, worst-case blank going down. We didn't want that to happen, but it just opens up opportunities for guys like Sarong, DGB and Phillips to play on these big gorilla type forwards, these really hard forwards to play on. Obviously, Lob always kills us. He's a really difficult matchup due to his size, his ability to play both ruck and forward. And he's not one of the best players in the comp, but he's one of the hardest to match up on. And then you've got a Eugle Hagen that's a more athletic type, and so is Norden. So to put Ethan Phillips, who's a little bit slow, and to match him up on someone like Norton, which is a matchup he'll get a lot this year because the Kings play a similar way and they're yep. even taller and they're the more athletic types. Jai Amos is another that is the same type of player. Um, I think Phillips to get thrown in the deep end this preseason two weeks in a row and play on guys and, like and that. Sarong. Sarong, Frosty as well to play above his size and then to just chuck so many combinations in that back half and see what works yeah. on a forward line like that. Is invaluable. So I think out of all the teams we could be playing, maybe except for maybe Geelong, because they've got obviously Jezza and Tom Hawkins, which are hard to mm, match. Carlton up on. as well. Carlton with Mackay and, and Kerner. I think the Dogs are a really good team. Um, they're competitive in the midfield. They've got some annoying forwards um, and they've got pretty good defenders as well. So 
that would be a really good one for us to see. Yeah, that's actually great analysis, James. I was also thinking about Tim English also playing on the likes of Reeves and Meek because I feel like our rucks have been a bit of disappointing. Probably our biggest yeah. disappointment from last year and there's a lot of question marks on how they can perform consistently. So, yeah, that's a good call. Um, what do you, What I'm also looking forward to see in this is just the combos, as yeah. you mentioned. So, I want to see the midfield combos, first of all. Who's going to replace that day role? We speak about, you know, Husswaite, McKenzie, Ward, McDonald, whatever. I want to see what the coaches think and who they try and who plays well in those positions because I feel like these preseason games are going to determine what the round one side looks like hugely. Similar when Cozzy towed up someone a few years ago or North in that preseason game. There's a, there's spots for grabs in these sides. The defense is a similar one where Saron could get a spot in the starting lineup. Yeah, Frosty's locked right now because of you know obviously Blank going down. And then you've also got Ethan Phillips who you never know could come in. For, uh, for round one as well. So, um, yeah, the, that's what I'm really looking for at the start. I also want to see how our defense performs overall because I I do have question marks on our leakiness. I thought that was our biggest weakness last year. I know a lot of people spoke about our unfiring forward line, but I'm not really too concerned about our forward line this year. I want to see realistic experiments. I remember we played St. Kilda in 2020 in a preseason game and we, I think we're going through the corridor 90% of the game and then we went into the 2020 season and we barely utilize the corridor. And mm. it's kind of like, wait, what? I want to recognize what our game plan is and to stick with the game plan that we're watching. We, okay, saw, we saw last year, we played Geelong in one of these pracky games and we got towed up. And I think even the early part of last season, it was just kind of like, what is our game plan? There's no recognizable game plan. And obviously a lot of that stuff takes a while to come together. Um, it was Sam Mitchell's second year, but first with what he really wanted to do kind of, dis the team um, or un the team, I should say. Um, so I feel like this year, I just want to recognize what the game plan is early. So we're not going into this early in the season, losing a few games and trying to work things out and the season's over before it started. So if we've got a real solid game plan um, that we're noticing in the early preseason games, I think that's, we, we, need, it, we need that to happen. Yeah, but one thing I, I heard what you said there, I'm trying to get an idea of is if the game plan's not working, do you, do you change it for the actual season or do you maintain it? Because you said before about how we used in Corridor in 2020, but then we switched it up in the actual season. But then you also said that we got towed up in preseason with our tactics last year, but we maintained it for the first three three rounds virtually and got killed all the first two rounds. I, I don't know if it was maintaining. I don't think we... I think game plans take a while to learn and last year was more so... I think what we realised is the game plan, what hadn't come together this time last year. We we were still learning it on the fly. So early in the season, we were still learning that game plan. This year, I want to see game plan right now. Okay. I want to see it. I want to see it almost like it's never going to be perfect mm. at this time of year, but I want to see it more perfect than it was this time last year. I want yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. That's why I've been under the camp that I don't think we should change too much from what we did in the second half of last season because we're winning games. So I don't want to see us come with a whole new game plan that we're going to try out from round one like last year and then it only works till round 10 like I would you'd like to think that we've been working on a game plan for the last two years with tweaks of course but I don't think we're going to see too many new new experiments I feel like we're going to still be playing a similar way to last season because it was working for us in the second half of the season yeah so I don't want to see us have 90% corridor use or whatever it is and just go for some random new tactic because the reason why I think we lost those first two rounds significantly last year is because we were trying something completely new. The players had no idea what they were doing. Like well, against Sydney, we were just witches' hats. I'm expecting a new game plan this year just because the different makeup of our team. Yeah, but I hope it plays for the strengths of them, but they still know what they're doing because yeah. last season it was completely like, okay, we're trying something completely new this year because of, you know, Jager's gone, Tom Mitchell's gone, whatever. Um, and it just, it took a while to kick into gear. So I'm hoping that we're working on, we've been working on a similar sort of brand of game style for a while, which I, Honestly, do you believe that quick movement, handball chains, but just maybe more refined with that person that we brought in. And do, do you care so much about the score in these I mean, games? Yeah, I mean, the, I, the results. I, I'm a Hawks fan through and through, so I always want to play well and win. But no, I'm not tied to the result. It's more you don't really want to see what you saw last preseason where there was very little to take away from it. You know, you go down to Geelong and you get beaten by like 100 points or whatever it was. Yeah. That would be rough. We're pretty competitive against Collingwood. I want to see us be competitive. What I want to see though is consistency of effort because the one thing we've seen with Hawthorne last year was when we're at our best, we can beat anyone. When we're at our worst, we completely capitulate and teams put on a heavy score against us. So one thing I was disappointed with in the preseason, uh, in the intra-club game, sorry, is that when Blank and things and uh, CJ did go down, apparently the intensity dropped off a lot in that third quarter. 
And even I think the players and the coaches realize, okay, this can't happen in an actual season. So yeah. can the players maintain consistency across the game? So I want to see consistency of effort and getting numbers around the ball a lot throughout this, these preseason games because I feel like the intent we play in these preseason games is going to bring us into round one and God, we need to beat Essendon in this, this round one. I can't lose to that club again to start yeah, I don't the season. Sh- I don't want to show up to round one like we did last year. Um, I think we'll learn from that. I yep. think I, I just have this feeling that we're not going to let... If we win or lose round one, it's just not going to be the same as last year. It's going to be a much better effort. Yep. And the other thing I want to see is just what tactic we go with when entering our 50. Because we've got a new look forward line. I want to see what they sort of do. Do they try and hit smalls? Do they try to kick it to packs to Facholi and Mitch Lewis to bring it down for the smalls or to take marks themselves? Is it more Gunston Bruce hitting on leads? We don't know. But I'm, I'm excited to see how we... I think that's the area of the ground where the personnel has changed so much, the tactic going in there might change as well. Yeah, my only knock is we, we talked before about how players when they get to their first club and we're talking about Gunston um, it takes a season or two to get used to the new environments yeah that's um, a good that point. I feel like the most important thing in these preseason games is building that synergy and cohesion with each other early because it takes a while for new players to get familiar with their new club and we've got such a new look forward line uh, obviously Gunston's coming back but he's still a new player Hardwick's playing a new position uh, built being in the best 22 for the last five, six, seven years, um, and then all our new recruits. So the forward line is going to be the hardest to gel, um, and the quicker they gel, the better, because that's it's going to be exciting. That's a really good point. That's why I sort of really, really hope that Dylan Moore gets up for round one, just to help the leadership dictate that there. traffic. Yeah. He understands the running patterns a lot. So, yeah, it's going to be a balance of people who have been at Hawthorne for a couple of years. I think you can put guns in that category, and I think he's much has probably changed since he's left. Uh, but yeah, with Guinea and Watto and even Hardwick switching down there, there's going to be uh, some some growing pain, sure. Absolutely. Should we get into our um, Peter Crimmins medal votes? Yeah, we're going to PCM. So these are our predictions for the three, two, one. So you know, we'll, we'll go with uh, yeah, we'll start off with um, who's going to come for in third place in the Peter Crimmins medal. So I've given my one vote to James Sisley. Okay. I think mm-hmm. oh, going into the year, if it hadn't been for Blank's injury, I'd probably almost give him one. I'd probably give it to him. I think um, his role at times might be a bit more challenging. Um, hopefully, it doesn't change too much, but he's still probably the best player on our list and okay. yep. he'll be top three. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I've also gone Sicily yep. for the one vote. I feel like he could get the two vote. I don't think he'll get the three and well, we'll get to that obviously later on, but um, consistent performer. You know, he put in a good shift every week, but with a blank injury, I do think that his role slightly changes, which just maybe slightly harms his chances of getting up to that two or three vote. Speaking of consistent performers, this guy's been so consistent pretty much his whole AFL career. And with the in with his second season at the club, uh, I think Carl Amon will have two votes. Mm. I think the position change to half-back really frees him up to do whatever he wants. He'll rack up a lot of possessions this year. We talked about AFL fantasy before. If you're a coach, get this guy in your team as a cheapie. Uh, I reckon he'll get so much possessions. I reckon he'll be so damaging with mm-hmm. his good ball use off halfback um, that he's one that's flying under the radar a little bit. And I think he's just so consistent that I can't see Carl Amon having too many bad games and he'll just rack up votes due to that. That's a good call. No, I, I actually you know, could see that happening. Realistically, yeah. my two votes actually, um, Connor Nash. Connor. Yeah, I'm going for Connor. I think that he's been building his career season by season, block by block, and the, and he's only gotten better over the last, I'd say, three to four years. Especially last season, I think he came third now PCM. I feel like this is the year that he makes a step to number two in the PCM. I feel like players aren't built like him. He's out of contract this year. Bloody hope we sign him up soon. He's some guy, I feel, who's an ultra-professional, ultra-competitive, great tackle merchant. And I think in terms of what a coaches will want from him, he'll be able to del- deliver. So maybe not in terms of... I don't think you know he's going to really pull much Brownlow votes at all in his career. But in terms of that defensive midfield role, the coaches and their ranking system for that, he's going to perform well. So I've got Conor Nash as number two this year. It's a bold call, I know. But um, I believe that. I like it. I like it so much. Um, he's another midfielder that flies under the radar a little bit, probably does all the stuff that goes unnoticed, but not unnoticed to the coaches. Um, so I think the coaches will really pick up on his KPIs and his, his one percenters and things like that, um, that the fans don't really focus on too much. 
Uh, number three, or the three votes and the winner of the PCM, and I'm sure we've got the same Judy's name Probably. not being mentioned yet, is the Nuke. Yeah, it's got to be got to be Nuke the Duke, whatever you want to call him. I just John don't. Newcomb. I just don't see any midfielders taking his mantle. Yeah, obviously yeah. day one last year. Um, Day's going to be out for a few weeks, which will that's right. His yeah. run at the PCM. I just feel like Newcomb's. It's it's his. It'll no, I, I agree. I think he's the package right now. Like he's got that burst. He's got that aggressive. Apparently, he's put on really good size. From all the photos I've seen, also he's going to be damaging. Uh, players consistently say that he's you know going to go for a br- another breakout season. There's been predictions about him coming top ten in the Brownlow. I tend to agree with those. I mean, Newcomb for me has risen so high up over his short career so far that the sky's the limit for this guy. There's a lot of talking about him, Weddle, but you can't go past how much Newcomb's done. He's finished two times last two seasons. He's been second in the PCM. I would make an argument to say that he was probably our best last year. But yeah. Day obviously had a good year as well, so you can't take that away from him. But yeah, with Day's injuries, Newcomb's very robust. I don't think he'll get injured very much. He's got that sort of stocky body type that seems to hold up pretty well. He barely ever misses the game. I think he missed one last year. Um, he's consistent. He's hard. He breaks tackles better than anyone I've seen in our list in the last few years. He can kick goals. He's got a good overhead mark. I don't really know what he's not good at. And, and I would say also a lot of fans I know bash him for his disposal, but I actually, from what I've seen by him, he's a great field kick and he uses the ball well. He, get, he can do a 30-meter handball. Newcomb has been one of my most exciting players. And, you know, if it hadn't been for that mid-season pick, don't know where we'd be talking about our mid as good as it is right now. Yeah, we've been really lucky with our mid-season picks and Newcomb's the pick of the bunch by my own. He hopefully wins the PCM and if he wins the PCM, it just shows that the midfield's probably yeah. had another good year. This guy could poll good Brownlow votes. Like yeah. he, for In terms of like, you know, bang for buck per disposal he has, he can he can do damage. This is making me excited for Friday and, and the Fridays to come and heading into round one and we'll be with you at the Hawthorne Fancast throughout the year. Obviously, the first ep of the year, and we're so excited for it. You can find us on Facebook, X, uh, Instagram, and pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts, and we'll like to kind of grow that listenership throughout the year and, and talk to you guys each week. Yep, sounds fantastic. And uh, as always, go the Hawks. <laughs> <laughs>